You're listening to Guest of Honor and I'm your host Nimesha Sharal. Guest of Honor is a weekly podcast featuring people from various walks of life living all over the world. Tune in as I catch up with baristas, surgeons, writers, nurses and people from many more professions. My guests and I talk about the cities they live in, the work they do, their defining relationships and finally the impact they're having in the most interesting fields, leaving you a little less bored and a little more informed. This is a podcast you never knew you needed. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of Guest of Honor. Uh thank you for being here. Today we have with us Emily and Heather of the Pastry Project. So Emily and Heather met several years ago at Molly Moons, which if you're from Seattle it's pretty well known. It's an ice cream place. Uh if you're not, it's one of the most famous ice cream places in Seattle. So Emily was the director of social impact and community outreach. uh over at Molly Moons which is actually very famous for several of its philanthropic um, initiatives. Heather it was the director of culinary operations at uh, Molly Moons. So both of them met there and ended up discussing an idea where they wanted to create a social enterprise which provides free baking and pastry training to individuals with barriers to education and jobs in the industry. They wanted to help people who did not get uh jobs inside a kitchen uh, in you know in restaurants and ice cream shops and uh various places so because they didn't have the means to go and acquire these skills so now their enterprise which is the pastry project not only provides free training for these individuals but also places them into jobs i mean come on like this is a story worth telling and a story worth listening to so i hope you enjoy um see you on the other side Hi Emily, hi Heather. Thank you so much for being with me on the show. Um why don't you give our listeners a brief introduction uh, about yourselves and also throw in your favorite flavor of ice cream because you know keeping in tune with Molly Moons and all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm Heather Hodge. I am the co-founder and culinary director of the Pastry Project and my favorite flavor of ice cream Uh it changes all the time. It totally depends on where I go. I'll eat anything that just is piquing my interest, but I always have to taste the maple mm-hmm. walnut. It won't have it. Nice. That's a good one. I went to Canada a couple of years ago and I tasted the OG maple stuff there and mm-hmm. I just instantly fell in love. And yep. for some reason I haven't been able to get a similar taste anywhere else. So yeah. It's so cool. I uh grew up in upstate New York and would go up to Canada and Montreal and there's something about the the maple syrup that's there. It tastes almost buttery already. It's yeah. so delicious. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um I'm Emily. I am a co-founder and a community impact director at the Pastry Project. And my favorite flavor, it also changes, but I always gravitate towards something with uh cookie dough or uh chocolate or brownie or something mm-hmm. chunky and inside mm-hmm. yeah i sense a very um comfortable girls night in vibe with cookie dough and chocolate you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for introducing yourselves um i also would like to know how both of you met and uh How, whether you both knew each other way before starting the pastry project and you know how you both vibed because it takes a lot to you know decide someone's your co-founder and roll with that it's almost like picking your soulmate i guess so yeah 
it's so true. Like when uh, I talk about my relationship with Emily, it is to me, it's a marriage. Like we have made a commitment to each other to make this thing work. So it takes a lot of, of work in that regard. And we met uh, at Molly Moons uh, many years ago. And um, uh, Emily uh, was the marketing director there at the time. Um, and uh, I worked uh, in culinary. And uh, we just, you know, your world just kind of start colliding when you're working with someone. You know, right. uh, we had to work together on things that were related to the business. And then years and years ago, we went out for a drink for some reason. I don't even know, remember why, like we just wanted to connect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the moment that we were like, oh, like we are interested in a lot of the same things. And I remember Emily in that moment being like, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was something along the lines of like, we should like start something together. And I was like, who is this person? She doesn't know me. <laughs> Everything. I'm like, oh my God, who is this person? Like they don't know me. But uh, we just... We just uh, had kind of uh, met our match in this regard, uh, where we were values aligned and um, uh, uh, knew that we could grow something great together. It's, I don't know. I, I don't think that you can force something like that. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. remember where it happened? Like the inception oh, yeah. of your of your company? Yeah. Well, that, this, yeah, us yeah. working together potentially. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let yeah, you yeah. So that yeah. was like the inception of we're gonna start something together because like we both just are super passionate about the same things and super hardworking. Like I remember just thinking like, you know, Heather's so smart and she's such a hard worker and she has like so many of the skills that like I don't have and then I have so many of the skills that she might not have and totally. like we would just be a really good match in some building something and we both wanted to build something that would give back to the communities that we're from and the neighborhoods that we're from. And so it was kind of like this general, let's let's start something together. I think we'd be good partners. And then it took a while um, of us just kind of like continuing to talk and meet and think about like what that could be. And, um, and then, so at a certain point I was working as a social impact director at Molly Moons and she was the um, head chef there. And so we started working together and during hiring season and um, I would be trying to place people from nonprofits in jobs at the company. And when we would try to place them in back of house jobs, it was a lot harder because you needed a lot of, uh, I mean, you needed at least a little bit of kitchen experience to be able to come and start working in a busy ice cream kitchen. And so um, we started thinking about that disconnect and how there, we wanted to be able to offer those jobs to people with barriers to opportunity, but there wasn't they needed a little bit of training and um, you know people with barriers would need a, like a really supportive free training program and so we talked about how that didn't really exist in Seattle yet and so we decided to build that program ourselves and mm-hmm. that's kind of how um, the pastry project came about. Mm-hmm. I see. Interesting. It's a very niche area that you folks are in you know for somebody who comes in someone like me who just comes in and orders a Molly Moon's favorite Sunday. Um, I don't really know what it takes to be someone who scoops out that ice cream or someone who's working, you know, uh, in the kitchen and trying to prepare all of this. There's definitely some sort of gap in in skills, right, which is what you're trying to fill. Um, I think it's a wonderful venture. It's It'll help people 
um, get jobs that will help people get ready to maybe start their own ice cream stores, you know, all sorts of wonderful things. Speaking of social outreach and creating avenues to benefit the uh, the community, I know that Molly Moons specifically mentions, uh, especially in their website, that you folks um, dedicate a percentage of the profits um, of every sale towards improving the community around you. Uh, could you please talk a little bit more about that, especially, I guess, since Emily has uh, headed the program and everything, uh, I'd love to hear more from the source itself. Yeah, so Molly, um, she also, she really started her ice cream business to live out her progressive values um, it through a company. She had worked at a nonprofit before as the executive director. Um, and so she wanted to start something and show that you could start a business that was really profitable, but also really cared about its employees, put them first, gave back to the community and all of those things. And that's why she started Molly Moons. And so um, she has a really big giving mission um, and we give 1% of sales or 10% of profits, whichever is greater, back to the community every year. Um, and that's part of what I was hired on to do there is manage that giving budget and um, give to those nonprofits. And um, yeah, so that was just really, really big for her company and we got to see that and we got to see um, how you could be a company with a big social mission and still be profitable and really be a business, but also have aspects of your business that are kind of like a nonprofit as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So talking about uh, how your lives were before Molly Moons happened, um, I'm sure that uh, there was something that led you to come and start working at Molly Moons and something that led you to <clears throat> think about this idea of pre- creating a social enterprise, right? So I'm curious, um, was this something that you always had in mind? Did both of you always want to do something for the community, uh, even while growing up? Yeah, I think for me it's interesting like i started i decided to work at molly moons and apply for a job there because they paid their employees 15 dollars an hour um mm-hmm. for entry-level employees um and uh i applied to be an ice cream maker there because at the time it's the way it ended up it, it's like so interesting the um company i was working at before um, which I won't name, I had been going to them for months and saying, you aren't paying us enough. We don't have health care. We don't have these things that are so important. Um, we really need to be paid more or we need health care. We need something. Um, I was only making $12 an hour at the time. This was in 2000 and early 2014. And um, it just wasn't right. And so um, I decided to move on to Molly Moon's um, because $15 an hour was competitive at the time, um, for a kitchen position. And, um, uh, over time, Molly Moons has, uh, drastically increased the kitchen wages, um, for both ice cream makers and the chefs. A large part of that was me pushing year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And that always need to be paid more, um, because there was always a disconnect between uh, front of house workers and kitchen workers and the compensation there, um, just industry wise. Um, and I just didn't feel like that was right. And so, um, I, I think pushing for things that just aren't right (laughs) and to make them right has always been something that I've been interested in. 
um, which is why, I mean, education is also a, a big part of that as well. Um, I believe that people should be able to get education for free. Mm-hmm. And Emily is 100% on the same page with that. And so um, for me personally, that's kind of um, what pushed Emily and I to be a good match in that regard for the phase three project. And she can you know, speak to that for herself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for my press, um, I you know, went to Molly Moose for pretty much the same kind of overall reasons. I was working for um, city council at the time and I was looking for something else and thought private sector would be something I've never um, worked in before. So I had always just been in government and like internships and my first job. And so um, I actually had seen Molly around City Hall because she would go and advocate for workers' rights and for small business um, support and things like that. And I had literally seen her testifying about like secure scheduling laws and $15 minimum wage and things like that. And so I knew her more of, um, of a workers' rights advocate um, than even a business owner. And so when I saw a job pop up that was originally for a community relations role and really starting a nonprofit for company, the Anna Banana Milk Fund, I thought that is so cool that a company can do those things and spend their time on those things and be also just an ice fish company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I ended up there. Um, and then, yeah, I got, I've gotten to work on tons of really cool initiatives within the company. Um, as Heather was saying, like, you know, one of the things that I admire Heather for so much is having watched her advocate for her team, like, every year to get better wages and better benefits and things like that. And it was just so amazing. So, yeah. It looks like you both found role models in one another and decided to start a company together, which is kind of like one of the best stories I've heard in a long time. (laughs) 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 So Heather, um, how did you become a chef? I'm curious. Did you go to culinary school? I did. So, um, uh, out of high school, I didn't exactly, um, or, you know, when I was trying to figure out in high school, okay, where, where do I want to go to college? What do I want to do? Nothing felt right until I discovered the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Um, and uh, that's the only school I applied to. And uh, that's where I went. So I went for baking and pastry arts. And I was very interested in culinary as well. Um, but I decided the technical aspect of baking and pastry would be a better fit for me because I do really like technical aspects of things. And so um, uh, I went to the CIA. Uh, graduated first in my class. My gosh, you said CIA, and I was like, what? Yeah. For a second. <laughs> I know, you know, we're always like, that's what we actually call it in the industry, the CIA, you know? Um, uh, the Culinary Institute of America. <laughs> I went there, uh, uh, and then uh, applied to NYU to go through their um, food studies program because I wanted to be a food writer, and discovered pretty abruptly that not only was I already severely in debt from going to um, uh, the Culinary Institute of America, I couldn't afford even with grants and scholarships and all of that um, and and, uh, financial aid, I I just couldn't afford to keep going. Um, And so I had to stop. And uh, so that kind of pushed me to get scrappy and make money anywhere I could in the industry, um, working as a private chef in exchange for rent, um, 
uh, working uh, as a bartender, working in fine dining service. Um, And then I ended up deciding to make a change. I was living in Florida at the time with my sister, um, who helped me um, after kind of the college fallout of me not being able to, you know, follow that path. Um, And decided to move out to Seattle and kind of just like forge something new and really dive back into um, the baking and pastry industry for myself, mm-hmm. um, which is honestly so hard when you um, uh, when the wages are low. You know what I mean? Like you just, it's much easier to get a job, even with a degree in culinary baking and pastry, in uh, fine dining service or just service in general, because you're going to get paid so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of, yeah, it, it just makes it tricky, but that's kind of my, that's kind of my culinary background um, before uh, Molly Moons and the Pastry Project. That's uh, so bold of you to move from a completely different state and, you know, not give in to the fact that uh, the services industry pays more and following your passion. That's really nice. So what about your background, um, Emily? I, I know that you went to UW. Uh, we spoke about this on the phone. So um, are you from Seattle uh, itself? I'm from Seattle, yes. And so I went to the University of Washington and I was a journalism major. So I love writing. Um, and within that major, it's so funny because I was just thinking as like Heather was talking about her journey, like trying to go back to the beginning of mine. And I was a journalism major and my favorite class that I had to take in that major was media law. Mm-hmm. And that's like, when I started thinking about going to law school, I just loved that class so much, and I loved my teacher. And people would tell me that, oh, if you're a good writer, if you're um, if you really like writing, then you might be good in law school because mm-hmm. you have to write so much. Um, and so that's when I first started thinking about that. And I had a friend that worked um, at the prosecutor's office. Well, she was an intern at the prosecutor's office in King County at the time, and she helped me get an internship there. So I started there and just kind of started thinking about law school. And then I ended up going to Seattle U um, and specializing in intellectual property law. So that's like copyright and trademark stuff. Because again, I was like very interested in like like art and writing and things like that. Um, and I was still interning at the prosecutor's office, but I had also gotten an internship at city council for the council member I would later work for. Um, but so, I was um, interning at both places and thinking about law and policy, and then I ended up going to D.C. and finishing up my law degree there, and then uh, clerking at the Federal Communications Commission. So again, I was kind of doing policy stuff, and I just had landed there. That was the internship that I got, and would go to community meetings and meetings with community groups talking about how they needed to keep their um, radio station and how could they get more funding and things like that. Um, and so that was kind of where I started thinking about, um, the effect that policy and law can have on community. And then, um, I came back to Seattle and the council member that I had interned for just happened to be looking for someone else because the staff member of hers had gone to the mayor's office. He had just gotten a new mayor and he was up there now. So I ended up getting that job and I got to spend, um, a few years working on policy issues like parental leave and um, a big gender equity study that the city was doing and um, things like that. And again, that's like where my path would cross with Molly and all of that and uh, eventually ended up at Molly. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, are you folks still working at Molly Moons, and this is your like maybe like a side hustle, or do you, yeah, well, what's the situation right now? Yeah, so we were side hustling for like two oh years, <laughs> um, just like nights, weekends, and like every minute in between we could possibly get, because you know Molly Moons is a pretty big company at this point with a small team, and so we worked really hard over there. Um, but then literally as of about a week ago, Heather left to be full-time at the pastry project, which is so, so exciting. Exciting. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It honestly feels amazing. And I think Emily and I worked so hard to get to a place where it, uh, we don't exactly know when we'll be able to pay ourselves and stuff like that, but we feel really secure. Like, we feel like we can see that ahead of us, and that feels really amazing. And we're making enough to pay the bills. Yep. So we're amazing. like, you know, we're able to pay for all of the things that we need and our space yep. and the rent and all of that stuff. And so now we're just kind of focusing on how do we get to a place where it's an actual job for ourselves. Okay. Um, but um, I'm still part-time at Molly Moon, so I'm there um, half-time, and then I'm here uh, anytime I'm not working for them. Okay. And uh, how big of a team has the pastry project become now? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's Emily and I. My husband Christopher does a lot, <laughs> a lot of running around and getting things. And like last night, he was here sanding some tables that needed to get a little refinishing. And um, and then we have so many amazing friends and family members that help us. Um, on days where we have to maybe package a lot of stuff or when we were opening a lot of cleaning and setting up. And so we have an amazing um, uh, team of people who who help us when we really need it. Um, and we are so excited to one day be able to, uh, uh, you know, be busy enough and be at a place where we can um, hire someone. So, mm-hmm. um, but for now we have amazing people who, who help us out. Mm-hmm. So, are you folks uh, a company or a nonprofit? Uh, so, uh, what is the Pasty Project exactly? Yeah, so we are a social enterprise. So, we're a social purpose corporation, and that essentially just means that our main mission has a social impact focus, and um, we really are a business that is for um, the betterment of our community and. Um, and that kind of comes first and foremost. And so we're not officially a nonprofit, but we in so many ways operate like a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And um, our the training that we offer for 14 weeks for free for students and all of their materials and everything is free. Mm-hmm. And so we spend so much time trying to earn money for that program through mm-hmm. the things that we're selling and that we're offering here. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, if I understand correctly, there are two parts to the to the entire enterprise. One is um, you folks would like to uh, provide skills and employment opportunities to people who can't afford it so that they can get back on their feet. And on the other side, in order to provide all of these free resources, you need to support yourself. And for that, you folks bake and have pop-ups and all of those things. Did I get that correctly? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so... It, it's almost like you have two main areas of focus, right? And it sort of divides your attention on both of them. And it's only, um, I guess, Heather, who's sort of baking and making all of the pastries and stuff, which are to be sold. So does that mean that 
are uh, you don't have any help in doing that heather or do you uh, also have maybe some chefs working under you so emily is here um to help with so much of that um while i do the majority of the high volume production or baking production um uh building our kits um, that go out on a monthly basis, um, providing our boxes for our goodie box members. Emily is really a part of all of that as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, and we figure out ways where we can kind of split that up too, mm -hmm. um, where both of us have um, skills that we can kind of help out with different aspects of that. Um, I, uh, almost exclusively teach the students, but Emily is also involved in a lot of, um, you know, involved in the recruiting, involved in the support, involved in uh, communicating with our recruiting partners and um, our hiring partners. And so, so much of the work is, uh, is split up in these different ways um, where Emily and I can kind of, you know, hold everything down and and make it work um so right now no there's no there's no chefs that work under me or anything like that like we are just we have really busy days sometimes like our, our goodie box days we have really quite a number it's of it's sold right out now. in under a day i never get to i never get it i'm always like a couple of hours late and it's always sold out we're so uh yeah, uh, we, you know, we have some long days sometimes, but we hold it down and um, and we make it work together. Mm -hmm. So, and again, like I said, there are people on those days where we're like, this is more than two people's worth of work. Yeah, we have people who have come in and help, um, you know, build boxes and, and put these mm -hmm. pastry boxes together and um, help with anything that that comes up that they're able to help with. So. Um, yeah, we're, we're making it work and, uh, you know, long run, we want to be able to focus on our students mm -hmm. so, so much. And so Emily and I are kind of figuring out how to create a dream plan that allows us to not have a ton of overhead and honestly, yeah. a ton of people that we employ or anything like that and focus more on what are really strategic and smart ways that we can continue to fund the program, mm -hmm. make sure that we eventually have a living and, um, and, and can kind of more focus on education and teaching um, uh, than huge high volume production or anything like that. I think from the very beginning, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want this to be a bakery. Like I want us to bake things and do really fun stuff that we're excited about and that, that you know, the community excite, is excited about but we, you know, we want to be focused more on education than anything else. Gotcha. You know, one of the cool things is that in this COVID economy, you both have managed to remain debt-free. And that's an accomplishment in itself. I was just talking to um, the folks, uh, one particular Seattle food truck owner, and uh, they've had to sell their entire business because, you know, they're, they're not able to stay afloat. And this story is just a ray of, you know, hope. And it's it's really nice that I mean I understand that it's been difficult and probably would have been amazing to have to you know students actually in front of you without wearing masks and all of that um, instead of virtual classes but you're making it work and that's amazing so you should like pat each other on the back <laughs> we do and we've been doing that a lot <laughs> lately most definitely I think if we had done this fast and we actually got advice from someone 
um, in the industry years ago, the owner of Ray's Donuts, um, Kim, and uh, she was like, we need to test this out. And that kind of forced us to go really slow. And through going slow, we were able to build this thing in a way that um, we were able to have income coming in every single month, even a little bit, which helped us through this slow construction process and this slow growth process mm -hmm. to tap away at, okay, like we need this money to be able to pay you know, these bills this month to really, really work to um, reduce any potential debt. Gotcha. And of course, amazing, um, we, we got some really amazing grants, neighborhood grants in the community as well that supported our pilot program and um, supported the building of um, this space as well. Yeah, you folks are up on Pioneer Square, right? That's that's such a nice prime location as well. That's That must not be cheap. <laughs> it is definitely not cheap. And we chose it specifically because we did not want transportation to be a barrier for our students. Mm -hmm. And so so many transit lines here. And so we were like, this is just something that we have to do. We have to be in a location that is accessible for both. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a nice thought. Okay. Right. Yeah. So how much of an influence has social media been to the success of uh, the pastry project? Um, I'm trying to remember when we set it up, but we definitely set it up before the pilot program because we wanted to document everything. And so um, we actually had our students sign photo releases and things like that before they started to make sure that they were comfortable and that we could um, be taking their photos and videos of them and sharing them with our audience. And that's kind of how we started is sharing behind the scenes of that pilot program and what students were learning and um, how the community was showing up for us. and our goodie box days and things like that. And um, it just kind of organically grew. We did some partnerships. We did a fundraiser this um, spring, actually a COVID um, small business fundraiser. And so we got a ton of our baking partners um, and dessert shop owners in Seattle together to do Instagram Live um, for one another to raise money and uh, raised about like $8,000 for that fundraiser. And then, um, yeah, so we have done some fun partnerships and some fun things like that and have just loved posting what we're up to and what students are learning and the new products that we have. And so it was really good to kind of build that space when we were just having fun and um, showing the things that we were doing in the kitchen before we were trying to sell products. And now we can use it to promote the things that we have that we can buy to support the program. So mm -hmm. that's been really cool. Who's the good cop and who's the bad cop in this? Um... <laughs> oh, these kind of questions. <laughs> we know the answer to this. Okay, we know the answer. I think the answer would be that I'm the good cop and Heather's the bad. <laughs> um, I can be a little bit no-nonsense sometimes and very, very serious. And yeah, so I think that but it's are, a good thing because like we said, we balance each other out. So right. it's like, you know, if someone is not doing what they need to do or like during construction, for example, it's like Heather's like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, be nice to that. <laughs> but it's like we need to get stuff done. So it works out. Um, what's been the best uh, moment of your entire journey with the Pacey project so far? Okay, I think two moments. I have two Okay, maybe they're the same. <laughs> um, the moment that we got our HSD grant for the construction build out and also for some program 
that was a moment. I mean, I just immediately broke down, was like, oh my God, we worked so hard for this. And I mean, Emily and I spent weeks and so many hours on that grant application. And the and, and when we got it, it was just like it it felt like it validated the work that we were doing and that we were gonna be able to, you know, make make that work into a, a true reality. And then the other moment for me would, that I will always remember is the, our grand opening day. It was a really, really, really emotionally hard day. And I just remember that moment right before we opened up the doors. And I was like, it was crazy. I could get emotional talking about it. It was Aww. just so crazy. We were yeah. like, there's, there's actually people here. <laughs> Um, that was one of mine. So grand opening day for sure. That was so just surreal having a space and being able to open the doors and we had passed our health inspection and we were serving space and people were lined up to um, try our things. And that was really, really amazing. And then I'm sure this is also one of Heather's um, as well, but when we had our graduation lunch for our first student cohort, um, we both Pride. It was amazing. Like our students that finished the program um, brought their loved ones to lunch with us at the London Plain. We got to give them cookbooks that we had picked out specifically for them and the things that they were passionate about. And um, and then from there, we got to help place them in jobs. And so that was like, that was crazy. That was the moment where we were like, we did this thing. Yeah, we can, we can run a class all the way through to graduation and job placement and this is a viable thing and let's keep going Mm -hmm. and uh, are you people seeing that classes online um, are able to get people the kind of skills that they need because i understand that uh, the students may not have you know a setup to learn the kind of stuff that you're teaching them so has Mm -hmm. that been a hindrance or are you able to move past that so we are actually still focusing on doing classes in person. Um, Our students have not been doing virtual classes. Um, We actually had our next student cohort that was slated to start this Friday. And because of COVID, we pushed it. So right now we're working on orientation and food handlers permits and all of those things that we can do virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the moment that we can teach in person, we will be doing that um, because the students really need me there to be like, yes, you are creaming that butter and sugar correctly. It's ready for the next step. Or, um, you know, here's how we operate in, an, in a kitchen and communicate with each other mm-hmm. and uh, uh, focus on food safety and all of those things. And we feel that it's so much more important for us to be able to spend full days with students like as if they were working in a kitchen to be able to have the confidence when they graduate to go on to a job and um, continue that that path in the food industry, and so we're really uh, we're really focusing on 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 you know getting getting to a place where we can have our our students um, uh, in person. Um, but some of them are going to be taking a truffle class that we have. Um, in a week and a half from now. And so we're thinking of other engaging ways to uh, uh, have them be able to learn some things in the meantime that are maybe just more fun, you know, mm-hmm. something that they want to do. Um, 
Whereas when we have them in the space, they're really going to get more um, a, a more wholesome experience of um, learning experience for, for what it's like working in a, in a kitchen. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, how do you end up picking the students who are, in, are uh, is does someone have to be eligible for the for taking these classes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we um, have some really great partnerships with nonprofits in Seattle, a really wide range of them, and that's how we found all the students for our first cohort. And then we reached back out to all of them when we were recruiting for our second cohort. Um, and so really that's how we focus on recruiting our students. And that way we know that, you know, these students, they do have barriers. They have had, um, you know, a background where they were disadvantaged in some way and would need an opportunity. And then also we would have that partner that referred them to talk to about how best we can support that student. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, really helpful as well because Heather and I, we're not social workers, but okay. you know we want to be as supportive as possible, but mm-hmm. we also know that we don't have every tool to help a student that you know may need a little bit of extra support um, outside of the classroom as well. And so, um, yeah, that's how, that's how we find our students. Okay. Hey, I actually forgot to ask, how did the name come in? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think, for a long time, we were just thinking of names, and every time I would think of something, I would just write it down. There were like so many. I wish we would say so much. There were like so many yeah. names. What were some options you were considering? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even remember. What I do remember is when Emily brought the name The Pastry Project to me, we were at this um, amazing hot pot place in the International district called um, Szechuanese Cuisine. It was like a really rainy night, like two or three years ago. And she's like, I've got this idea for what we're going to do. And you know, we didn't even have our grant funding or anything at that <laughs> point. We were just trying to figure out how do we provide this program? And she's like, it's going to be called the Pastry Project. And I was like, what? <laughs> she I'm was like, like, I forget the phrase you said, but it's like, I remember you were like, um you like didn't not like it but you were like i need to sit with this because i don't know <laughs> yeah it, it took me it took me some time to think about <laughs> it but in the long run like as emily and i were developing like the program and what it was going to be we were like no this makes this makes sense yeah it's exactly what it is it's it's a pastry project like it's about education and learning it's about doing fun and creative things and um you know just it encompassed it. So uh, I, I love that she came up with that name. Emily is a genius when it comes to kind of like big picture <laughs> thinking around things that like, nice. I don't think I would have the guts to be like, I have this idea for this thing. But she just comes up with the most amazing ideas that are so like high in the sky ideas. And, uh, and yeah, I can always trust her to come up with interesting things like that. And so that's, that's what we have now. We have the pastry project. Thank you so much for being with me on this. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For, yeah, thank you so and much. You are welcome to visit anytime. Yes. I was um, going to say, the, the latest yeah. library you put in, very, I, I want that in my house. Just not going to lie. So, yeah. oh, thank, thank you so, so much. much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was episode 12 for you. Thank you for listening. You know what, Um, it's a Friday evening and I'm all alone at home editing while, I don't know, my roommates and my friends are all probably chilling, doing something else. But you know what makes me happy? Um, Telling the story. 
about the pastry project and ventures such as this which are trying to make the community a better place um do check out their instagram page it's called the pastry project order off their website it's really delicious um pastries uh also support guest of honor um we were trying to tell stories that really uh make a difference uh shoot us a mail at guestofhonorpod at gmail.com follow us um on instagram at goh seattle Uh, you can also review and rate our episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts and give us a follow on Spotify. Um, yeah, I hope that you have a wonderful uh, week, day, year. Uh, hope the coming days are much better than what you've had so far. So thank you so much. This is your host Nimisha Sharad signing off.